Stop and think of the hundreds of miles that you drive your car every month. That faithful motor under the hood is doing its best to give you carefree driving. You can really help things along by just a little thoughtfulness. Give that hard-working motor the benefit of complete modern motor lubrication. Drain, and then refill with new Texaco motor oil. And see and feel the difference in the performance of the motor in your car. First man at bat in the second inning, Husky, left-handed hitter, steps back to take the first hit inside, off point for ball one. Hey, welcome to the BBA Today, episode number 81. Uh, I am Ron Collins, the general manager of the Yellow Springs 9, uh, and today I have with me the commissioner, the uh, general manager of the Las Vegas Hustlers, and all-around, all-American great guy for the Brewster. I have Matt Rechtenwald with me today. Uh, thank you for spending your time this afternoon. I know you've got uh, quite a few things going on, so I appreciate your time, Matt. It's my pleasure. <laughs> um, I thought before we got going uh, too deep into the BBA, we've had a really major uh, happening in the world of baseball, and I think uh, has quite a bit of... Uh, of impact on you in particular. Uh, for those who are not aware, Recti's um, uh, screen name, Recti44, is all about Henry Aaron. And of course, uh, we lost Henry Aaron this uh, past week. And so I was actually interested to hear you, Matt, uh, talk a little bit about how you felt about that news and what your thoughts basically are about Henry Aaron. Sure. Well, um, I, I was... Uh saddened when I heard the news. I obviously, you know, for a while now, fans of Hank Aaron have been expecting, has been expecting that his health has not been the best in recent years. I think the last time we saw him at the Hall of Fame, he was having a pretty hard time getting around, but still sharp, and still had plenty to say, which is ironic because one of the reasons I, you know, I love the guy is just he was always silent he um he did his job he did it with pride um he did not cause controversy not on purpose thing, well you know he <laughs> may have been part of controversy but handled it beautifully you know he had a secretary that had to read all of the hate mail okay had to read each letter of hate mail that he received when he was about to break Babe Ruth's record, um, and he insisted on keeping them all. And, and she said, why? why? Why do you keep these? He says, I read them every now and then just to remind me. <laughs> um, he's, um, you know, he's the type of guy, player that, you know, when you're a young kid looking up, you want those heroes. He actually is a hero. Um, he's a hero to me. He's a hero to a lot of people. For those of you who don't know, my son is named after Mr. Aaron. His name is Henry Aaron Rechtenwald. And um, I just hope that, you know, he lives his life with the kind of uh, grace and excellence that Hank Aaron did. Um, I'll leave you with a fun fact stat about Hank Aaron. So if you take away all of his 755 home runs from his 3,000 hits, he still, or from his uh, hit total, he still has more than 3,000 hits. Yeah, I think that actually is a testament to the kind of player that he was. Um, 
before we sat down to start recording, you actually finished off with a conversation about your your general strategy, ideal baseball approaches, combining the old Cardinals speed with the Earl Weaver uh, three-run home run. And uh, for those who are not really aware of of Henry Aaron's early career, he was quite a speedy guy, Um, not maybe quite like uh, the Vince Coleman, (laughs) uh, Willie McGee kind of guy, but he was a a runner and a slasher and a a superpower guy. So I I can see that hitting your – hitting all of your sweet spots even before you had in the the obvious – uh, personality and discipline, stoic approach to the game, professional approach to the game that Henry Aaron obviously had. Uh, one of my favorite players from the old days also. And so I was lucky enough to be a, a kid while he was still uh, still playing. And um, mm-hmm. uh, he, he definitely fits a lot of my baseball memories, earliest baseball memories, which are also obviously... I think for most of us in the you know, most of us baseball fans, our early baseball memories are our warmest. So. Yeah, true. And you know, I, I I didn't get a chance to really see him play um, in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he retired when I was three, but <laughs> I've watched a lot of tape. I've read all of the books, and you know, it's from it's from the stats that I originally got curious about this guy, and then you know, I'm here in Wisconsin, so related back to Milwaukee, yep. how, you know, he started and ended his career here. Um, that he did. You know, you're the home run champion, and you want to come to this ho-dunk team called the Milwaukee Brewers. Why? Uh, <laughs> because he loved it here, one. Secondly, because he was really good friends with Bud Seelig. So, yeah, it was when I'm looking at these numbers, you know, the home run record is the one most people think of, even though he's... Uh, technically not the home run champion anymore. <laughs> he is by neutralized but, uh, stats, though. I mean, look at this. This record for total bases, I don't think will ever be broken. He has 6,856 total bases. The next closest guy is Stan Musial with 6,134. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's more than 10% better than the next guy. Um so when people talk about the best overall player in history, um, I'll, I'll, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who say Mays. There'll be some people that'll say Mantle. Um, you'll have the millennial fans who will say Mike Trout. Say it could have been Griffey if he wasn't injured. I say it's Hank Aaron, and I'm going to stick to that. There you go. Yeah, I think it's it's hard for me not to think of Willie Mays and and Hank Aaron together, and I would yeah. have a hard time agreeing with anyone who argued vigorously that one was was absolutely better than the other because I, I I was actually lucky enough to see them both play and both of them were just brilliant in different ways. Oh yeah. But uh, yep. look so, at a look at a Mount Rushmore of baseball oh, hitters yeah. during my time period and oh. those two are the only two I would actually not ever consider taking away. <laughs> right. Could you so, imagine um, that um, five hundred dollars more on a bonus offer, and Hank Aaron would have been on the same team with Willie Mays. Oh, my. Yeah. I don't know that I was aware of that story, but that's interesting. Yeah, the Braves gave him $500 more, and he signed with them instead of the Giants. (laughs) I mean, just what ifs are are the cool part about baseball and the history of baseball. And 
the history of the Brewster and why we all love the Brewster so much because it's got all this history. There you go. Well, let's turn to modern day history of the Brewster. We are actually sitting here on October 2nd of 2045, which means that the regular season is over, which is amazing because that means that um, the overall rainouts in Mexico City were not three weeks long. Um, Well, that may have been uh, by a little design there. (laughs) So I'm going to let you all in on a little secret because I was getting tired of uh, the Umeba playoffs getting ruined by by all these rainouts. On the last sim where we had three days left and then whatever makeup games, once we got to the makeup games, I clicked off enable rainouts so that we linked up the both leagues together. There you go. Actually, that's probably a pretty good uh, mechanical solution. Let the rainouts run through the regular season and then get them played off. Yeah, I, I think that I mean, probably I that was fair. That sounds um, like a reasonable trade-off to me. I hadn't thought of it before, but it worked, so maybe I'll keep doing it. Yeah, I think that that works out. Although you know, it'll probably put a little a little craw in in Fred's. Um, well, it's. I think it's a different story if he's you know a. a <laughs> Contending team, I, I definitely wouldn't. But at sixty-three and ninety-nine, I think he's going to be okay. Well, I would actually think that would still be a just mechanically. I think that would be a reasonable solution for allowing for all of those rainouts, which I think is a great. You know, I'm with Fred one hundred percent on his. I enjoy the whole idea of all those rainouts through the season and yep. so forth. Uh, But I do understand your mechanical difficulty in trying to juggle all the schedules at the end. So I think that's actually a pretty good um, um, administrative trade-off to uh, encourage the rainouts during the regular season and then just make sure that we don't get things screwed up at the tail end. So I think that's cool. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I love the home field advantages. That's why I'm building a new stadium that's geared towards right-handed batter. There you go. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we are sitting here at the end of the regular season, and that means we have the postseason slate uh, put together, right? We've got Rockville, Montreal, and Brooklyn from the Johnson Atlantic. We have the uh, Edmonton Jackrabbits pretty much run ran roughshod over the frontier in the last half of the season to take that division with Calgary and Boise. Uh, Boise making the postseason for the first time in, what, three or four year seasons. Uh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I should note... Um, uh, Ted and I, last time we chatted about Montreal, this is uh, Montreal's first trip to the postseason in a decade, yeah, that's, which is that's big. exciting. Um, we've got in the Heartland, of course, Yellow Springs. No, um, you mean the Heartland League? Yeah, exactly. The most important, uh, the, the import, most important grouping of teams in the league. Jeez. You know. Oh. <laughs> Where you egg me? You egg me on, Matt. You you did it. This is your fault. Who's, who's the Long Beach guys? It doesn't seem like it works. I I don't get it. Yeah, I know. I don't really understand how Long Beach managed to uh, get into this uh, into the show, except that they found the golden ticket in the chocolate yeah. bar, right? I think. That's... I mean, couldn't we slide Nashville in there? It just seems wrong. They should have. <laughs> actually. At one point, I was saying that Nashville may win ninety games and not make the playoffs, and. Um, and I think that that's um, that's actually interesting because it turns. I mean, what are your thoughts? Ninety games. It took ninety games to make the playoffs. Um, I think that's awesome for one. Um, 
I think the Heartland is a beast of a division. I really feel for, um, you know, I feel for Chad, 85 games, and he doesn't even sniff in the playoffs. He's five games out. And then you look at Mike and Madison, Jeff and Des Moines, they have an uphill battle and then some. Um, the good news for the Pacific Division is there's a lot of opportunity to be had moving forward. And Long Beach, obviously, having been in the um, Landis, now the Monty Brewster series last go. year, they should represent that division well. Um, it'll be an interesting playoffs in the Frick. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, what are you looking at the, the uh, postseason matchups here as we get into the Gehagen round? I guess let's go ahead and, and start in the uh, Frick League where we've got Twin okay. Cities who slipped in at the last minute there with its, with their 90 wins. Mm-hmm. Matched up against Omaha, who has either been the best team in the league in one month and a mid-packer the next month. I mean, this is a streaky team or has been a streaky team. And then we've yeah. got Louisville and Chicago, um, which – I don't know about you, Matt, but Louisville and Chicago, is it possible for two teams to lose? Can both teams lose in Louisville and Chicago? Is that? Well, you know, let's look at, hold on a second. When is the last time Chicago did anything worthwhile? Oh, they've been in the postseason several times. Right, but they haven't won the Landis in 17 years. So, you know, they're kind of underdoggy, if you will, um, especially compared to Louisville. So, you know, go Black Sox, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, by definition, I will always root. My favorite team is whoever Louisville is playing. Right. Right. Exactly. So by definition, I will root for Chicago. But you're still not answering my question. Can we just put an administrative thing in place to just say they automatic? both of these teams automatically lose? Because at the end of the day. yeah, that's I mean, not going to be happening. <laughs> the only advantage Chicago has is that they are not Louisville. Right. Well, yeah, and it's this is a classic. It's it's offense versus pitching, and uh, that it'll be a really intriguing best of five between those two. Um, I'm really looking at the other matchup uh, with a lot of intrigue. You know, Twin Cities kind of up and down in the last month. Scott comes back. He's undefeated. <laughs> they sneak in. Yeah, that would be the uh, that would be the storybook. That would be the storybook. Guy takes over the team and, and hits the accelerator. Um, we had that happen. Actually, um, one of Ed Murphy's championships was like that, um, where he took over Des Moines midseason or late season, and they won. There you go. Um, Omaha, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde here. Um, how many times can Timo Dooley start a game? I don't know. 23-5, and five. not too bad. Obviously, they're... Their thing is their power going up against Twin Cities. This, I feel like of all the matchups, this is one where the underdog may have a slight advantage. I'm going Twin Cities. It's in an interesting upset. call because Omaha has got three games in their home park. Uh, I yep. like your comment about how many games can Tilo Dooley start. The answer is two. Two. <laughs> um, and uh, Julio Alisea may be a bit of a wild card for them. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. If you believe in postseason magic, he's had some postseason magic in the past. 
so that's possible. But yeah, I definitely like, uh, um, you know, Twin Cities, one of the things that, that uh, Ted had always been angsty about is that his offense was not hitting on all cylinders. And yet it hit on all cylinders just enough to sneak into the postseason. And in the in that ballpark, um, you may I kind of like your your bet on Twin Cities just because if that offense catches fire in that park, it may actually be in their advantage, and they've got pretty solid pitching. So it's yeah, it's a a bit of a uh, their starting pitching, if anything, is overrated. I hate to say that. Um, like, how Kuhn? How, when did he suddenly remember to be the player he was, what, seven years ago? Yep. Well, it probably has a lot to do with his BABIP of 232. I'm sure that doesn't hurt. Uh, um, you know, they've given up tons of home runs, um, which is going to play right into uh, Omaha's hands. But... I don't know. It's just a it's just a feeling that I have. Um, after that really good run last year that Omaha had, I don't know if they have the magic twice in a row. Yeah. If I had to be betting, if I were a betting person, if I were betting my Brewster bucks, I would bet on Omaha. Um, yes. But I understand the sense of what's going on in Twin Cities. Um, I like Chicago in the Louisville Chicago series. Beyond the fact that uh, it's Loserville, you know, I mean, uh, the fact that it, you you hit the nail on the head for me. It's it's offense versus pitching, pitching and pitching always wins. And pitching doesn't always win, but they're playing most three yeah. of the five games in Chicago, which is a pitching accentuator. Um, so I would I would uh, probably put my Brewster bucks in the Chicago uh, box for that. Take that, Shaw. Um, yeah. yeah, still a great team. I mean, Louisville's got the pieces, too. Um, and whichever one of those teams advances on to face you is going to be a handful for the nine. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that both Louisville and Chicago fans are extremely excited about the idea of matching up with us in October. So, Right. We won't it even, be a, we won't even get know, into that. A, yeah, that's next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go over to the uh, Johnson League match. Yeah, let's do that, where we've got uh, Brooklyn is going to be facing Montreal, and Boise is going to be uh, taking on the Calgary Pioneers. Uh, you're the you're the Johnson League seat in this conversation. What are your thoughts? Which one do you want to start with? Well, let's start with Brooklyn and Montreal. So, you know, first of all, we've got some new faces in the playoffs over here. Um, Brooklyn is back for the second year in a row. They actually improved by eight games, um, even though most pundits said that they were not going to be as good as last year. They have been. Um, it's been a real balanced team. Um, obviously, the pitching leads the way for them, and uh, they're really good in getting on base, um, kind of middle of the pack the rest of the way. Uh, then we're looking at Montreal, who, you know, you led in with, this is our first time back into the playoffs in a really long time. Uh, how did they do it? Well, Herb rebuilt this team really quickly and quite impressively, actually. Um, this is one of those teams where 
maybe their star power isn't so great, but they're consistent across the board. So, you know, they're infield. Aldo, Zalapa, Gonzalez, and Orlando Lopez, that's a great infield. Um, uh, Wannon came back from a really bad 2044 and had a really nice 2045 for them um, in the outfield. Even uh, he was only negative four zone rating in center, so you can live with that. Um, pitching wise, they're just good quality starters that are not spectacular, kind of in the middle. Um, Yara Mio is a, is a solid um, young player. I think he's going to be awesome. And then uh, the biggest story for me with Montreal going into last year uh, was why was Carlton Casson just sitting in the minors for three years? So he comes up, he's awesome last year, is awesome this year, leads the league in saves. Um, it's it's that's a guy that is a real luxury for a team to have. So I like Montreal. Yeah, I would probably go the same way if made if forced to bet. I would probably bet on Montreal. But quite honestly, this is perhaps going to be the most entertaining series of the four. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I look at them, and, and again, I've, I've paid attention, but not at the deep, deep level, right? My view is both Ben Hearing and uh, Herb Despain have been managing these two teams and building them through the year really well. Um, Herb yep. probably made a few more... Uh, moves, but Ben's Ben's been working on this team throughout the entire process, and I think those oh, two yeah. guys are have done spectacular jobs. Both teams are 91 and 71. Um, both teams win on the road. Both teams win at home. Uh, Brooklyn had at the eight to six um, uh, disadvantage, I guess. Montreal won eight of their 14 uh, in season matchups. Um, on paper, you'd say the strongest collection is probably uh, Brooklyn's pitching, right, versus mm-hmm. – um, but at the end of the day, it's interesting because if you just do the rankings, right, Brooklyn's pitching was third in the JL, Montreal's was sixth, three-point – you know, three-position, three-ranks difference. Uh, Montreal's offense was eighth, and Brooklyn was 11th, which is a three-position ranking difference. <laughs> I mean, these guys are just like neck and neck. Um, yeah, so I'm looking for really I'm looking for an affirmed and Alidar kind of thing that goes into the fifth game and extra innings to uh, to close it out. And in that sense, maybe Carlton Casson um, um, gives them a bit of a of a. Um, I don't know that Brooklyn has a Carlton Casson, but they're they're all awfully good. Well, here's the deal with Brooklyn, and this may make this may be the difference in the series. Quite honestly, Juan Rodriguez is an outstanding starting pitcher, and should probably be getting a lot of your Nebraska votes in the Johnson League. Um, he's going into this playoffs having started uh, three days ago, so he might get in two games. Uh, it's more likely that he's only going to start the one and maybe be available in relief for the fifth game. We'll have to monitor that, uh, but that could make the difference either way. Yep, there you go. So it's going to it's going to be, in my opinion, this is the matchup to watch. 
when it comes right down to it. If I had a if I had a television set and I can only watch one of these four series, it would be the Montreal and uh, and Brooklyn series. So, but yes, if forced to bet, I would probably select Montreal, but it would be very it's close. Razor I, close. I would I would be unhappy to have to make that bet. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Boise and Calgary. What are so your thoughts? Boise. Oh, um, didn't Boise seem like they might have been dead in the water early in the year? They have to be playing some really good baseball of late. I don't see their monthly thing in front of me here, but they're playing Calgary, though. So let's look back at the end of September. Uh, they did have a four-game series at Calgary um, where they lost three of the four. Um, and two of those, they lost in extra innings. Dave Houston was their big pickup this year um, out of the bullpen. He's been really, really good, as expected. Um, is starting pitching going to be strong enough for them? Is pitching in general going to be strong enough for them? That's the big question. Um, obviously, they've got all the bats. They've got Roman, who is now the super stud. Dennis French is now some guy, I guess, <laughs> compared to the rest of these guys. He had a really down season, and um, it's hard to explain why other than injury. So that's my take on Boise. Let's go over to Calgary real quick. They are your typical Calgary team. They score a lot of runs, and they give up a lot of runs. But... I think that they have better pitching than the numbers indicate. And I really like their lineup. Alfonso Trinidad is probably the best player nobody talks about in the league at third base for them. Um, this one is another just razor tight matchup. So I'm going to let you make the call on this one first. I'm going to, I'm going to make the call with my heart. And I'm going to skewer poor Joe Letterer again and say that Boise is going to upset Calgary because it would be an upset in my mind. Um, yeah. My intellect says Calgary wins. To me, these are extremely interesting um, kind of reverse mirrors of each other because, right. yep. you know, Boise plays in a ballpark that is not particularly conducive to offense, and yet they scored the second most runs in the Johnson League. That is a is a solid offense. And yes, Dennis French had a bit of a down season, but it was still, I mean, there are, there are hundreds of baseball players that would love to have that as their down season. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, Calgary is the exact opposite because they play in a ballpark uh, where park doesn't really help their pitchers. And yet they were still kind of mid pack inside in the pitching ranks. Right. So I, it's hard to make a the ballpark's, to me, warp things a little bit. Uh, it's hard for me to really call that. Um, but if I look at it, yeah. if I go the opposite direction and I say, okay, uh, Boise's pitching was ninth in the league in a pitcher's park, and Calgary's offense was third in the league, but in a hitter's park, which one of those is real, right? right. It's, it's so hard to tell. It's really, it's really so, hard to call. Um, yeah. So you're calling Boise. I'll call it for Calgary. We'll, we'll uh, call it, officially call it the huge uh, toss-up that all of these are and that we know nothing. And out of the park will surprise us any way we look at it. That is true. And, and ultimately, 
if if there's a, a candidate, uh, like I was saying, to me, Brooklyn, Montreal is just a hair's breadth, whatever. If there is a candidate for a 3-0 sweep, I would say Boise and Calgary is the candidate, but I don't know which one. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and then we also, you know, we have to watch out for this year's Carlos Valle situation and see if maybe Juan Rodriguez plays left field for Brooklyn. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carlos Valle needs a needs a uh, uh, needs an agent that will ask for a bonus for being able to be a two way player. So yeah, out of the park baseball, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so there we have the the run through of the postseason. Um, Something that I just kind of off the wall thing. Somebody, uh, I think it was uh, Justin Niles Omaha was talking about uh, Steve Harris. Thirty six saves led the league in saves. Do you have a feel? Strange. Do you have yeah. a feel for how long it's been since the saves leader has been down in the thirties? I've not actually looked it up, but I'd be interested in your uh, hot take on that. I have not looked that up either, but I would say. It's probably, I don't know, a couple of decades since it's been under 40. Yeah, I did ever. go back in the last like five or six years, and the closest I could get was 41 in the Johnson League. And um, I can't remember exactly who it was. 41 saves led the league in 2042, or led all of mm. baseball, uh, which even then I thought that would be a little bit small. Um, well, even if I go back 25 years ago... And I look at what led the league in saves then. It was 50. So, yeah, I, I just don't see. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's that's weird. weird. It's well, just the way it's we're weird, but I think that it speaks to the use of stoppers being so prevalent these days, right? Yes. And you talked a little bit about awards in, in the Nebraska in particular. Maybe we can talk for just a little bit about the uh, Nebraska awards, because I think there's a couple of interesting ones going on. The whole conversation, you know, around relief pitchers versus starters as a uh, element of the Nebraska. I'm actually wondering whether we're going to see another reliever win in Nebraska this year. And it's not Danny Leach or um, Lozano. Yeah, I'm thinking Cornelio Lozano. And I've, I've been on record as kind of rethinking my whole concept around the idea of relief pitchers um, and their qualifications. See, I'm, not for, I'm right? not for it. I, I don't like it. I like the, the starting pitcher should be the Nebraska award winner. We have an award for relievers that um, starting pitchers are not eligible for. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's it's interesting. As a general rule, in the early days, and in fact, you know, I was thinking it was interesting even a year before the relievers won, right, when Danny Leach and Terrano Mackin both won their uh, Nebraskas as reliever. I was kind of, okay, I think that's kind of cool. And then I rethought it a little bit, in particular around the idea of being the general manager of Tiernan O'Macken, I, I kept thinking, why don't I feel like he's more valuable? He just won in Nebraska. And I started going back on that. But then I look at 
uh, you know, just I'll use Danny Leach. There's also, was it Queso Rainey and Charlotte in the Johnson League, two really strong yeah. relief pitchers who are putting up big numbers. You know, I don't think that I, I, I think I have included Danny Leach on my ballot, down ballot uh, this year. I look at what Cornelio Lozano did, though, in a .96 ERA and a .77 FIP in those kinds of innings are just so much better than anything else. I'm I'm still struggling on whether to include him as as the Nebraska winner or not. Not because I like it, but just because it's such a dominating performance. Obviously, Lozano needs to be the Egan winner. There isn't any question about that. Right. Um, I hadn't actually thought about the thing you just put forward there that starting pitchers are not eligible for the Egan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have to calibrate my brain around that comment. I mean, it's it, on the one hand, it seems so obvious. Well, of course, they wouldn't be eligible for a relief pitcher's it's award. Something, yeah, something to think about. Yeah, it's just an interesting way of looking at it. It's kind of like the question of can a pitcher be an MVP, right? Right. Well, but then on the other hand, too, it, I mean, I always take things back to the Hall of Fame debates. So, you know, if relief pitchers were only eligible for the Egan in theory, are we still going to treat them like lepers when it comes to Hall of Fame voting? Oh, you're going to start bringing up the internal hypocrisies that we all all have. Is that what you're is that the card you're playing here, Matt? (laughs) I am. I am. I am. I am. I'm just saying. Like, uh, okay, maybe the roles of relievers have changed, but they're no less important than they were before. Um, It's interesting. I mean, I would have no issue with Lozano winning the Johnson League. Um, Nebraska is kind of wide open, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. Yeah, you mentioned Juan Rodriguez. I think another unheralded name uh, that I'm interested in to see how they get votes is Carlos Flores in Atlantic City. I mean, yep. 17 and 7 with a 303, 251 FIP um, in uh, in Atlantic City, which was just horribly had a horrible year. I mean, uh, Joshua Biddle, I don't think is used to that kind of a <laughs> of a downturn um, in Atlantic City. So how I mean a 17 and 7 record on a team that that win I mean how many wins did Atlantic City have this year that um, yeah, they won 73 games and he won 17, he won 17 of them that's uh, and guess what he never started a game in the BBA before this year there you go he's pretty awesome yeah he was their closer the two years prior and then switched into this starting role and I mean. He's pretty easy to say could be the Johnson League Nebraska Award winner this year. Yeah, I think he's definitely worthy. The question is whether he'll hit the um, hit the publicity keys also, right? I mean, you've got right. Edmonton's Amos Swallows who led the league in wins, so there's a uh, for the people who are wins people, there's a candidate for the people who are ERA and FIP people. Uh, Flores is. Strong, but not the top, right? Uh, I think you also got uh, Bill Constable in there Ooh. for Charm City. Um, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Carlos Fernandez for Rookie of the Year. Come on. There you go. And that's the interesting question. You've got uh, – I don't think Constable has had quite the season that will win him the Nebraska. Uh, he's, although yeah, he, he's, he's, he's going to win the Gilstrom. 
And he so, was. yeah, that's the question is you got Flores and – well, actually Flores, since he was in the league before, is not going to be eligible. So, yeah, Constable will probably be the, the Gilstrom winner. So check this out. Um, pop quiz, don't cheat. Can you tell me who led the Johnson League in whip? Ooh, the Johnson League in whip. And here's a hint. He's the most underrated starter in the Brewster Baseball Association. <laughs> Just ask Randy. He'll tell you. Oh, I should know then. Um, goodness, the most underrated. He also led the league in uh, walks per nine. I'm going to take a wild shot and just say El Paso's uh, Sizemore. No. The answer is Dries Geestman. There you go. That guy who's been constantly on the trade block from the Las Vegas Hustlers. And have received exactly zero offers. (laughs) Hey, it sounds like Sean Huber all over again. Um, I'm keeping him now. Um, We turned a corner in the last few weeks of September, so... That's a story for another day. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about some teams that are building maybe as we get into the offseason a little bit, because I think there are three or four teams that made some interesting uh, corner turns this year and um, maybe showed up on the win registers and maybe did not. Uh, But, yes, I've been enjoying watching you work with Las Vegas this this season. It's been been fun just trying out lots of different guys. Chugging along under the surface. Uh, but then, uh, I like the way you know, the team looks this year. Answered some questions. So <laughs> um, while I'm on the stats board here, if you don't mind, no, um, go ahead. there's some fun stats that I see that were interesting to me. Uh, your Dave Lee led the um, all the BBA in ERA, 2.44. Very good. Uh, I like Dooley, him. Yeah, Timo Dooley, Omaha, 23 wins. Uh, 248 innings pitched and 11 complete games. Led the league in all three of those categories. That uh, That's something. Yeah, and I think that's uh, going to be interesting and fun to watch. It's, um, you know, clearly Omaha is not one to worry too much about uh, inning count as far as that goes, right? And, and they yep. enjoy the complete game and so forth. Uh, Dooley is an interesting case to me, just like, you know, intellectually, OOTP wise, you know, whatever, just because now he is 25. He has managed to deal with a medium but not horrible workload. Uh, if you look at his innings pitched, uh, I'm, I've been watching Timo Dooley quite a bit because I've been watching what Justin is doing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 25 now, so if you go backward, he didn't pitch. Um, he pitched 200 innings in the minors in 2040. From that point on, he's been under an okay um, workload. He hit 184 in 2042, 200 innings in 2043, 202, 221 in last year. Mm-hmm. And this year, he's made it up into that 240 range. 220 is a little bit more than I'd like to see for a 24-year-old just personally. Right. Um, but I do wonder if he's man now that he has managed to get into his mid and late twenties with a, in quotes, normal injury proneness, right. He's not fragile or erect. If you start to see his just intellectually again, is his injury field reduced at this stage? You know, I don't know what the answer is. 
but I've enjoyed watching Timo Dooley come up, and I'm I'm hoping that in my Heartland, these you know having Timo Dooley in the Heartland at his peak and um, in his as a brilliant mid twenties guy is going to add a lot of depth into the division. So absolutely. Um, in 23 wins, not, yes, that's a yeah, uh, just incredible. Um, All those it, complete games, wow. Yeah, um, I, I think he has raised himself into that collective of Woolen Weber, Chekhanov, Browning. Yeah, and we'll see if Dave Lee has another season like Dave Lee had, then he can put himself into that. But I'm not ready to put him into that echelon. Not quite <laughs> yet. Yep. Um, one other thing with pitching stats before I move on to batting. Um, I propose a new stat, and it's simple. With the way we're using relievers now, shouldn't there be a stat that adds saves plus holds? I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Another one I okay. would like to add, if but it's way too complex, is um, the old, uh, what is it, goose egg? Uh, the goose and gossage. Yeah, yeah, the goose gossage thing. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing. I wish I wish OTP would do that. That'd be fun. But I like that idea. It would be worth the. Uh, it would be worth Randy or Mike's time to go through and do us a um, holds plur, holds plus saves uh, thing for the past several years and see how that yeah. is adjusted, right? Because I think if you look at it now, because and that I I only thought of this because of what you brought up before with the save number being so low. So I just glanced at. Here, let me go over the pitching leaders. I glanced at holds, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me if any of these names sound familiar. Danny Leach, Cornelius Lozano, Purcell, Lopez, O'Macken, Ortega, uh, Ramirez from Long Beach, and Rainey from Charlotte. Those are all your leaders and holds. There you go. Oh, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Um, batting. Um, just some interesting stuff here. We had six players with more than 100 walks this year. Hey, how about that? I like that. Tai Ho Wee, 164 walks. Wow. That's 164 is a bunch. Yeah. Um, one other interesting thing that I saw here. So Jim Antolin in Omaha is just the most interesting player. Um, <laughs> so he struck out 215 times, right? So that led the league, both leagues. He, he was able to beat out his teammate, you know, all-star Diesel Dave by 12. <laughs> but um, he also was third in the BBA in walks with 128 and seventh in the BBA in the homers with 48. So he's just an interesting cat. Three true outcomes guy right there. There you go. Um, we all know that Shimizu missed out on his chase for 400. Yeah, he kind of hit the wall about a... <laughs> I mean, he was close a week or two away. Mm-hmm. And unlike uh, uh, Larch, who yep. kind of kept chugging right along, it's like Shimizu mm-hmm. just hit a wall. But Shimizu is one of the least um, known uh, best soccer. hitters yeah. in the right. in the league. So the fact that he was up there does not surprise me at all. Um, although, you know, uh, the other piece of it, you know, you compare it to league averages and things like that. I mean, Larch Bedelli did his 399 in a season where offense was kind of off the chart, whereas right. 
you know, uh, as to your point, I mean, you, you've been, I know opening the hood on OTP a little bit, you've been working on trying to get the walks and strikeouts and things like that tweaked as we go. And uh -huh. I like what you do. Um, I like that we don't make, we're trying not to make just knee jerk reactions and everything changes all at once. You're trying to. It's very slow. Right? Like you won't even notice it's <laughs> happening. Right, but it, definitely as you look at runs yeah. scored and offense as a whole, uh, Shimizu, you can make an argument that Shimizu's 393 this year is at least as impressive, if not more impressive, than Larcha Bedelli's 399 when Absolutely. offense was off the charts. I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not making a value judgment there. Somebody can make no, the I, argument. I, I totally see <laughs> um, that. Um, but that's a good one. So remember when we all thought that Lucio De La Cruz was going to maybe challenge the home run record? <laughs> well, he got injured, so he yeah. only had 52. Um, Felix Roman, actually, 58, was the uh, home run champ this year. Yeah, and Roman and had a, a beautiful a monstrous season. year. Yep. He should be about as near unanimous silk winner as we've seen in a while. I would think so. He's my. Uh, he's definitely on my ballot. Um, I also wanted to, oh, uh, while we're on the subject of Roman, um, extra base hits, 101. That's insane. Well, if he can just do that for another 20 seasons, then he'll have Henry Aarons. Right. <laughs> just to, to, to echo back, right? <laughs> right. Well, what was his total basis? Um, I don't even see that on here. But, yeah, oh, here we go, 422. So he would have to do that for like 15 years. He would have to have this year that he had for 15 years there to equal what Henry Aaron did. I like that. I like that as um, just a yeah. picture. And, you know, uh, I've had several conversations about comparing um, counting stats from different environments, but still it gives you a frame of reference. 15 years, that's an amazing, yeah. that's an amazing number. Fifteen years um, in a world where offense is much more than Henry Aarons was back in the '60s, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, last fun th thing I'll point out with the stats is doubles are back. Hooray! Yay. We had seven players with fifty or more doubles this year, so I like that. I like doubles. Yeah. Don't you? Doubles I admit are... that fits my aesthetic. I grew up in baseball in the you know. 80s is my prime time and so the idea of uh, home runs being led by 35 to 40 with a great year being 45 and a bunch of doubles and and uh, balls in play is my preferred aesthetic of baseball so yes yeah. I like that quite a bit yeah well let's talk a little bit about where we think uh, that since I've got you um, I want to uh, kind of tweak your uh, you know, bend your ear. What was I saying tweak your ear? That doesn't sound like it's very, I don't want to bend your ear just <laughs> briefly anyway on some things that you might be thinking about, you know, yes, we still got a whole bunch of baseball to play and it's going to be exciting and so forth. And I've got at least in yellow Springs, we've got at least one more SIM to play baseball. Uh, but I want to look out into the off season. Is there anything that you are thinking about uh, that you would like to, I guess, predispose people to be aware of or you know we've been talking yeah. about stats and tweaking them a little bit uh, I know you're still working on some things what are your mm -hmm. what are your off-season thoughts what kinds well, of things should we be prepared uh, for first uh, 
with the Umeba, you know, they're doing their uh, they're doing their playoffs. Uh, they start tomorrow, just like ours. So Beirut against uh, Manama and Mumbai against Bucharest. So they'll go through the round of four and then on to the United Cup. Um, as we look to the off season, um, the Umeba will be um, adding two teams. So we'll have more on that later. Um, what else? What else is happening? We're going to keep doing some slight tweaks to the, uh, the stat generators, if you will. It's fun watching these relievers strike out 800 million guys, but it's not exactly the most realistic thing in the world. So um, I'm playing with, you know, how can we temper that a little bit while not deflating all of the uh, starting pitcher strikeouts as well? Yeah, I think um, that's going to be a tough one. It's um, not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, because the resolution on the league totals, you know, at the end of the day, the league's overall strikeout rate is not massively high right now. So if you if you adjust it down so far that the relievers aren't, you know, are striking out 15 a game, then you might, or 14, yeah. then you might inadvertently uh, cause some problems. So, yeah, I know that's going to be a bit of a... I think it has more to do with like um, um, looking forward to the future, obviously. Um, but see, there's something I'm going to bring up with the development team. So in general, statistic tendencies behind the hood here, there's a um, you can set up how you want your pitcher stamina to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. And. That's it. It's just pitcher stamina. So why can't it be starting pitcher stamina and relief pitcher stamina? Yeah. So that's something that we need to do, you know, moving forward. Um, I can play with hook for starting pitcher. I could dial that down a notch. Um, we can change use of relievers. There's a few different things I can do. Um, again, don't want to change too much too quick, but even, you know, the guys that have these super relievers might even admit that those numbers are redonkulous. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's about it. Um, it's a good season. We'll get through this offseason. We've got some things going on in the offseason. I don't expect that we're losing any BBA GMs. Uh, we do have one of our new applicants who will be taking on a team in the Amoeba, and there may be a surprise uh, blast from the past coming back as well. Well, that would be fun. Uh, let me ask, uh, there's been some conversation about um, Discord and Stats Plus and Slack. Um, my feeling, my understanding is, that I'm, I'm, since I've got you here to chat about it a little bit, um, my feeling is is that uh, we don't mind the idea of Discord, but it's not integrated into Stats Plus. Are you aware of Stats Plus being able to be integrated into Discord in the future, or is there something going on there? And if we did, would we move to Discord rather than Slack? So if he ever um, programs it for Discord, then, yeah, it makes sense to move over there um, because it's free and we keep our archives for free. Right. Whereas in Slack, it's this ridiculous amount that I don't even want to tell you guys how much it costs because <laughs> I don't do it. I mean, it would be like $380 a month. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, 
luckily, I think I found a way to uh, hack into Slack and get the archives anyway. Oh, really? So, Interesting. Um, but yeah, we would switch to Discord. Um, it's just something that has been talked about with the developer of Stats Plus. That's as far as it's gone. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, since it had been a topic of some interest in the past couple of days, I wanted to take an opportunity to ask you about that. So yeah, sure. All right. Well, I think we've kind of done the done the overview, done the deed. Uh, any last thoughts you'd like to, to to add in that I haven't touched on that you were thinking about chatting about? No, I think we're good. Um, ready for the playoffs and then exciting off season. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm hoping uh, we'll see what your calendar is like. I know a lot of other guys uh, are interested in in jumping onto the BBA today or some more podcasts. I personally would like to uh, get back to the stage where we're doing, a, you know, four or five of these in a week. Maybe it can't quite be daily like I originally envisioned, but I would like to get into the cycle of doing them on a pretty routine basis. So, um uh, knock on wood, maybe we can get you on board here a few more times before the uh, COVID uh, quarantine slows you down or speeds you up or whatever the number, whatever right. I'm trying to say. You know Absolutely. what I'm trying to say, right, Matt? I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed a little bit of a BBA 2045 overview. Good luck to all of the Hagen Round teams. Uh, looking forward to. Uh, to having a, a great sim here. Let's see, we sim that tomorrow night, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt, and we'll talk to you later. All right, thank you. You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association every day. Music is Bold Statement, available at fesleyandstudios.com and used with attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow.